We are enjoying Victory Monday here in Week 11 after the Dolphins win over the Raiders, but there's still some questions about the offensive side of the football after a 20-point performance. I checked the tape, and the tape don't lie. So here are the answers that I found on today's episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, my EMA, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Cal Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. The fighter shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Today is Monday, November 20th, 2023. The Dolphins are coming off of a 22-13 victory at Hard Rock Stadium against the Las Vegas Raiders. Tip of the cap to the everydayers who are plugged in with us on Locked On Network, because it is your team every day. We don't just say we live it. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 20 points. A lot of people have a lot of questions. Why did the Dolphins score 20 points? This is supposed to be the number one scoring offense in the NFL. They're averaging 40-something points at home per game this season. Are the Dolphins regressing? Has the league caught up to the Dolphins? Are the Dolphins in trouble? Are the Dolphins running out of gas? All kinds of speculative questions have been placed over the course of the past 24 hours or so and wanted to check the coach's film, so I did. And uh, I found some observations that I think are, are going to be very helpful for us to contextualize this Dolphins offensive performance. Talk about what it's going to look like moving forward. Pathways to improvement. Mike McDaniel uh, spoke in the post game about some of this being execution. Um, there's some personnel limitations. There's some scheme stuff. We're going to talk about all of it. So let me ease your mind at first. Uh, if you ask me the question, is the league catching up to the Dolphins offense? My answer is no, uh, I do not believe so. I don't think there's some magic pill or secret book that you can read that says if you play the Dolphins this way, they can't adjust from it, they can't get better, so on and so forth. You have to have a very specific set of skills to play a successful game against the Dolphins offensively uh, in the way in which the Philadelphia Eagles did and the Bills did earlier this season and Kansas City did uh, in, in week nine before the, the week 10 bye. Yes, the Raiders held the Dolphins to 20 points. But I looked at this game film and came away thinking it was much more about the personnel and the execution than it was about the actual scheme. I don't think there's a lot of limiting factors. Now, there are some elements of play calls that Mike McDaniel would probably want back. And I thought one that was particularly interesting was he talked about the fourth and one uh, down inside the low red zone on the turnover on downs on the throw to Tyree kill that had him banged up uh, on Sunday afternoon. And he talked about that being the mechanics of the play and the fine details of the play as compared to being the actual play call itself. And what he meant by that, he referred to it at the very end. And I was glad he kind of threw it in there uh, just so it was a breadcrumb that you could pick up on. He referred to the ball fake. He referred to uh, that you're going to run a perimeter screen with Tyreek Hill turning into two-on-two -two football. 
And that play in particular, Tua Tagovailoa takes the snap. He has Raheem Mostert to his right. And he opens to his right to flash fake the football. And then he flips his hips back open again, but he has to come all the way 180 degrees away from where he flash faked to open himself up to throw to the perimeter. Well, who's reacting to the flash fake? The nickel is face guarding River Craycraft, who is the blocker on this play. And the outside corner was Nate Hobbs, who reacts to Tyreek Hill's motion. And as he's reacting at the snap, he actually jumps into his stance before he is able to readjust his feet and his hips and then drive back outside and attack the throw. And Mike McDaniel passively alludes to in the postgame, if I don't call that play with a flash fake, with a ball fake, the timing is faster. And instead of allowing Hobbs a chance to reset his feet and then drive, he ends up being caught as the ball is being thrown mid-jump as he's jumping into his stance. And then he doesn't have the ability to get that angle on either River Craycraft or get back outside. However, it was supposed to be designed to hit. And instead, because you did the flash fake, two instead of catch, out, is catch, turn, flash, flip, out. And the extra layers slow it down. Now, the, the third and fourth and shorts uh, in general in this game are, are one of the continuing storylines for this Dolphins offense. And it is an area that is going to need to get better as this season continues to play out for the Dolphins to stay on the field with more consistency. You had another opportunity where you run naked. Um, so you're rolling to a tongue of a low out. And there's a defender who's kind of patiently in your lap. And you have to try to throw up over top of that player or behind that player. And two is reacting to protect himself as he's throwing the ball. So he can't get everything on it. And the ball kind of flutters and dies and the ball falls incomplete because you can't complete the pass. There's like little instances like that um, where you'd ideally just love to run the football. Uh, and I understand you had Savan Ahmed, Devon Achan, and Raheem Mostert uh, were your backs in this game, and none of them are maybe your stereotypical short yardage backs. Figure it out, right? Some of that goes to personnel. Jeff Wilson's a healthy scratch. Why is Jeff Wilson a healthy scratch when he is evidently your most effective physical between the tackles runner? Mike McDaniel said on Monday, he was asked about that, and he alluded to, well, you know, when you're having to take into consideration not just the offensive role, but special teams and levels of contributions, um, all of that adds up, and it's a part of the decision. But I think Miami certainly missed Jeff Wilson, not that they have run Jeff Wilson in those instances anyway. Now, some of that may back, come back to other personnel issues that the Dolphins are having right now uh, on the offensive side of the ball the most prominent of which against the Raiders was Lester Cotton at left guard. We will talk about his performance next on this episode of Locked on Dolphins, in addition to some other players who were elevated into larger roles than normal because of some other injuries that the team is dealing with next here on Locked on Dolphins. These days, every potential hire feels like a high stakes wager for you and your small business. And that's why you have to make LinkedIn jobs your number one destination so that you can be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. 
You can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you are hiring and simple tools like screening questions make it easy for you to focus on candidates with exactly the right skill set for you and your small business to make sure you can target those you'd like to interview and hire first. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions do apply. If you had to ask me the single biggest limiting factor of the Dolphins' performance against the Raiders in finishing drives and executing at a high level and posting explosive runs, it was not the injury to Devon A. Chan. It was nothing that the Raiders did exotically defensively. Uh, you got a blue-collar effort from them. They played very physical. They tackled very well. They were inspired. They flew around the football. You tip your cap to that. Lester Cotton's role, I can point to on at least three occasions that limited explosive runs for the Dolphins offense. The first of which was a perimeter run, uh, crack toss. Dolphins ran crack toss in this game, and Cedric Wilson had the seal block on the edge. You ran it to the right-hand side, so you had Liam Eikenberg working on climbing to the second level. Level You had Connor Williams and you had Austin Jackson climbing to second level or, or working to hook a level of the defense, defensive lineman, and secure those blocks. You had Alec Ingold releasing outside to secure himself onto the corner, and it was Raheem Mostert one-on-one with the safety. Raheem Mostert turns the corner of the cracked crack by Cedric Wilson. He gets north very quickly, and then he bounces laterally to kind of get himself outside of the, the corners fit and the run fit, and he gets up the sideline, and he's tackled at the first down marker for like a 10-yard gain, by Divine Diablo, number five. Here's the problem with this. Divine Diablo was the weak side linebacker. And the Dolphins at the snap motioned away from the run side to force the linebackers to all bump over another gap. So if you're the weak side linebacker and you bump a gap with the tight end that goes in motion, he was in the D gap, the backside D gap away from the run. And Lester Cotton has to work through contact of a first level defender and he gets up onto the second level and he turns and he squares himself to Divine Diablo with I am perpendicular line of scrimmage. You are flowing directly into my pathway. And he did not touch him. And to hit explosive plays, we've talked about this quite a bit. To hit explosive plays on the perimeter, you need backside cutoff to prevent pursuit on the second level from chasing these runs down. And if Lester Cotton gets up on the second level, and if he touches Divine Diablo at all, it might have been a 75-yard touchdown run. <laughs> because Raheem Mostert would have had a safety that was in the middle of the field, 20 yards downfield, to beat, and he could have accelerated and get out in the open field. The Dolphins, at the end of the game, they're in the final three minutes. They're trying to run the ball and get first downs. And they're trying to uh, force the Raiders to burn their timeouts and possess the football in a winning drive situation. Lester Cotton combos with Teron Armstead to secure a defensive end and climbs up onto Robert Spillane. And he is in a perfect position 
to fit on Robert Spillane and secure so that Raheem Mostert can tuck the ball up off of Teron Armstead's hip and run that ball and get north. And he does not touch Robert Spillane, who makes the tackle in the hole for a minimal gain and sets you up. It builds you up to that third down passing attempt where Austin Jackson probably had one of his very few select few poor reps in pass protection in this game where Max Crosby hits him with an up and under and works underneath and is able to uh, get into a tongue of face, force him off his spot and effectively throw force a throw out of bounds. Then it stops the clock just at the two minute warning. These are microcosms of why, because the guy on the other side, Lee Meikenberg, did he play great? No. Did he play like Rob Hunt would play in that spot? No. But I, it was significantly better than what Lester Cotton gives you. So when, when we're looking at this offense, and, and granted, they still finished this game with 422 yards of total offense. So it's not like they put no yards up. They could have had a lot more. They could have had a lot more explosive runs that would have continued to flip the field and put them in more positions to score more points. It didn't happen. In large part, because of a failure of an execution of one of the five guys up front who just simply does not have the range. So here's my call to action. I get it. Robert Jones is hurt. Probably not going to be, be able to see him this week either. Robert Hunt sounded like he was close. Mike McDaniel last week referred to him as week to week. He referred on Monday, talked about how uh, some of those guys who didn't play on Monday or on Sunday kind of have their eyes towards the following game on the short week. We need Robert Hunt back in the lineup. And then I need you to put anybody who's not Lester Cotton in at the other guard spot. The lack of athleticism is a killer for an offense that thrives and is predicated on playing in space. Because when you play in space, you have to cut off the defenders that can chase you down away from the ball and prevent rallying to the football. I would have the Liam Eikenberg that played at right guard 10 times out of 10 before I had Lester Cotton in the lineup. I know Rob Jones isn't a spring chicken either as far as the mobility that he offers as an offensive lineman, as an interior offensive lineman, and neither of them are on the level of Isaiah Wynn. Doesn't sound like Isaiah Wynn's coming back anytime soon. So what does that leave you with? We need Rob Hunt back, and you need somebody else at that other guard spot because I thought he killed several runs with his failure to have a gravitational pull because he just can't move in short spaces. When you get a vertical run game and you work combos with him and he's double teaming and working on A-level defenders, like, okay, it's there. He did kind of get held by Jerry Tillery on a um, defensive holding on a stunt on a third down and where it's Tua tried to fit a ball to Jalen Waddle on kind of a sail route. Uh, and Tua had to react to Max Crosby tucking up through the B-gap and did not get all, himself all the way into the throw. And he, because he's protecting himself and not stepping into the throw and taking the contact, the ball falls incomplete that Jalen probably could have dug out. There's a, more of the execution element of it here, but did not dig it out. The ball falls incomplete. Did he get de held defensively by Jerry Tillery? Is Jerry Tillery's falling to the ground and pulls his shoulder pads down and allows Max Crosby to dip up underneath him? Sure. Yeah, actually, I think it was it was Malcolm Kuntz was the the stunter on that play. Sure. But you also could play stronger and, and not allow yourself to be pulled into that position. 
it was the number one storyline for me coming out of this football game was the limiting factor of Lester Cotton playing on your offensive line. And I know the staff likes him. He seems smart. He's powerful. When you get him in a phone booth, it is the antithesis of what this offense needs on the offensive line. You need athleticism to play in space. And he does not have it. He does not have it to the degree in which the Dolphins are going to need it if you are going to continue to have success running the kinds of plays that you have run all season long. I thought there were a few other players who were kind of elevated into uh, higher roles within the offense. I thought Julian Hill was one. Julian Hill has kind of flashed a little bit as a second tight end over the course of the first two months of the season. Durham Smythe didn't play, and Julian Hill ended up playing 47 snaps for you offensively in this football game. 47 snaps. It was two-thirds of the snaps offensively. Wouldn't recommend doing it again. <laughs> the uh, second possession, the Dolphins run power pass, where they're, they're going to pull the guard. They're going to run lead with the fullback, extend the ball back to the defense. They're selling power run. And they ran a two-man combo. And it was a bubble with Tyreek Hill and an in-slash-glance with Jalen Waddle. The glance is wide open. But Julian Hill, to the side of the pulling guard on the left-hand side, is the end man in the line of scrimmage. He's on the ball. And he is charged with blocking Max Crosby in pass protection. Now, that bit went about as well as you thought it would go. It didn't go particularly well at all. And Max Crosby immediately wins inside, flashes into his face. Tua has to dump the ball off to the bubble for Tyreek Hill and just get a completion and avoid a negative play. And Tyreek Hill gets four yards. It's fine, but it could have been 15, 20 yards. Plus, if it goes to Jalen Waddle, if he has time. So consider this a Durham Smythe appreciation show. Consider this a Isaiah Wynn appreciation show. Consider this a Robert Hunt appreciation show. When Robert Hunt hopefully can be back, and then the domino effect of put anybody else in that other spot. Please. Anybody else. And I think it would significantly help a lot of your performance offensively. So if you look at this offensive group, Devon Achan is another example. Savan Ahmed uh, into some of those reps. Obviously, we talked about his touches yesterday, but Savan Ahmed took 20 snaps. Those were probably all Devon Achan snaps. Now, there's a whole different conversation to be had about Devon Achan and him getting hurt in the preseason with a tackle going to the ground and having the shoulder injury and then not being ready for the start of the season and having to get weaned in. And he kind of makes his, his debut in week two, but he really debuts in week three. Uh, and then he has a red-hot stretch of games, and then he has a knee injury, and he goes on IR, and then he comes back from IR. And in his first game back, in the second possession, he's kind of fallen on kind of weird on the same knee, and they pulled him out of the game. And Mike McDaniel talked today, and he said he felt that uh, Devon Achan felt better this morning. There was nothing serious. It wouldn't require surgery, but they're still collecting more information. I've heard enough of Mike McDaniel speak. He, did not, he said he was day-to-day. -day. He did not rule him out for Friday, but he did not confirm that he would play on Friday. I've heard enough of Mike McDaniel to say I would probably be willing to venture a guess that Savannah, or that Ackman plays again on Friday because Devon Achan will not, and he will be a scratch. That's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. But that weaponry missing and the replacement player going into that spot, I think you had three, 
three players that put you in that position. Devon Achan played three snaps, Durham Smythe played zero snaps, and Robert Hunt played zero snaps. The replacements for those three players, which is about a quarter of your offense, were limiting factors against the Raiders. They were. And everybody's hurt. Nobody cares that you're hurt. I get it. But I am just outlining from a personnel standpoint, much more so than offensive scheme, unless you're pointing to the short yardage calls. The offensive personnel was much more of a limiting factor. And there was also some execution. Uh, and, and we will talk about those instances next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Before we go any further on the show, I want to make sure that you are aware that on game day or ahead of game day, you can have everything that you need to take your tailgate to the next level to make sure you have the food that you need at home for pregame, for halftime, for postgame with our friends at DoorDash. They have all of your favorite local restaurants and all of your favorite local retails to make sure that you can get all of the chips and dip and barbecue and whatever else you need for your tailgate, or you can get the burgers and the pizza and the wings. We got a place called Green Turtle up here that I'm particularly fond of. They got really good wings. Their hot wings are especially hot, though. I will say that. Uh, so I don't get the hot wings. But if you're a hot wings fan, I'm sure there is a wing place on DoorDash that you can make sure you get if you're having people over for the next Dolphins game. They are, of course, on the road on Black Friday. Family's probably already in town for Thanksgiving. I'm just spitballing. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Right now, you can download the DoorDash app and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and use code LOCK23. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Subject to change and terms do apply. Execution-wise, the fumbles speak for themselves. Uh, I would say... Um, that there were some limiting personnel elements that were were in play for this game as well for Miami. Uh, but to a tongue of a low, as an example, you're scrambling, you get to the sticks, have to protect the football. Julian Hill, probably not playing in that spot. That's probably Durham Smythe with his fumble at the end of the first half. Regardless of who it was from a personnel standpoint, you have to catch the football and you have to hold on to it. The outside corner, the Dolphins ran a lot of quick hitting stuff. And that's one thing that I will say that I did appreciate about this game plan that the Dolphins came out with against the Raiders when they were going lighter in their protection numbers. They ran some two man combos, some three man combos. But when they tried to release more eligibles out into routes, you could see very similarly to how they handled Chris Jones the week prior. When you turned all those guys loose into routes, the Dolphins understood that how you execute in those instances had to change. The calls had to change. You could not leave Max Crosby with a ton of opportunities to tee off on your offensive line because no matter how good Teron Armstead is, no matter how well Austin Jackson is playing, Max Crosby is a berserker, and he will relentlessly get after the quarterback if you run a ton of of drop back stuff at him. Now, I thought they did run the ball in his direction fairly well. I thought they threw a lot of extra bodies at him. They put Julian Hill over top of him to chip release. 
uh, and slow him down at first to help Austin Jackson. They turned the center towards him as they did with Chris Jones. When Chris Jones, they were playing the Chiefs to make sure that you were getting the extra body for help so he couldn't loop back inside and come up uh, across the guard's face. They did a lot of things to mitigate Max Crosby, but when they went empty or closer to empty, you get calls like the screen call that Savan Ahmed scores the touchdown on in the low red zone. You, you get quick game. You will get all hitches. And one of the instances where they ran a hitch with Tyreek Hill on the outside and Julian Hill's in the slot and he runs an out, you see the outside corner really drives on the hitch to Tyreek Hill because they'd hit that throw earlier in the game. So Tua, in rhythm, shotgun, shuffle footwork, throws the ball to Julian Hill. He catches the ball. He turns upfield. Boop, ball gets popped out by Nate Hobbs. It's a turnover. You hold on to the ball there. Who knows what happens? You don't have the miscommunication, and you could see the miscommunication much more clearly on the all-22 on the interception. The Raiders are playing cover three. And with the Raiders playing cover three, the expectation is uh, if you can get over top of the safety, you have a shot for a big play. On that play, the Dolphins ran a big post with Jalen Waddle. They had ran him from right to left, running the big post. You had Tyreek Hill on the other side of the formation running a deep over route. And then you had a back Raheem Oster release out into the flat. Those were your three eligibles that were really out on the play. And Tua gets to the top of his drop. It's a play-action fake. He gets set up to throw. And he sees the middle-of-the-field post player has his hips flipped and open, and he is bailing out of there. He's flying. So he anticipates Jalen Waddle. I'm going to trust my guy. I'm going to throw it out there. Go make a play. But if you knew that the backside corner, which was Nate Hobbs, was going to drive and trail Tyreek Hill on the deep over, it vacated the entire middle of the the entire third of the field that Jalen Waddle was running the post into. And Jalen Waddle, as he's coming into his post, he sees I got the safeties leveraged over top of me. His hips are flipped. He's getting depth, and I see that the other corner has vacated that third of the field. So I'm going to cross the safety's face and cut into the middle of that outside third of the field that has now been vacated because the corner converted and ran with Tyree kill. He ran out there. There's nobody in that entire third of the field for 50 yards. But when Tua gears up to throw, and this is one of the downsides of being more of an anticipatory who doesn't have the bazooka cannon of an arm that can hold this ball for an extra half second to confirm where your receiver is breaking to before you throw it. He's anticipating, I got to get this ball up quickly so that I don't underthrow Jalen Waddle. So he throws the post, expecting Waddle to spike vertically. So you see Waddle's route, he crosses, he flattens, and then he re spikes again because he's trying to adjust to the ball. But Tua throws it so early that Waddle is really only at the top of his initial vertical stem. He hasn't declared whether he's flattening out or not. So it's one of those things like from an execution standpoint, those things being on the same page, you'd love to uh, to have a feel for that backside corner. Or you would love Waddle to understand we don't have the ambiguity to do that. I don't know what the answer is. Um, It was a bummer of a throw. 
it kind of reminded me of the interception that he threw to Kyle Duggar again in the second Patriots game where you didn't really know, was there a route adjustment that was supposed to happen here? Did we not see it the same way based on the coverage? And that's one of the continued challenges I think you're going to have with this offense as the young guys continue to grow into it. And you're obviously a season and a half into it, so you're a little bit more well-versed in it, but you've now added more layers onto it. And a lot of these routes in this offense are sight adjust. They're based off of leverage. If the defender does this, then my landmark is that. And if the defender does that, then my landmark is this. So I don't want to say every route that you're running is an option route, but it like it all matters. It's all relevant. There's, there's post-snap confirmation that has to happen. And my big Daniel referenced after the game, that's a really valuable rep where we, we, can, we can extrapolate from that. And I'm paraphrasing him. Um, but get instead of getting a having a miscommunication again, we can identify, hey, based on this coverage, when this happened, here's how we want to play. So it's a little bit of everything. But the number one culprit that I would point to was the personnel players that were elevated into higher roles than what you would expect. And the good news is you're expecting those personnel issues to be resolved because guys are coming back. Robert Hunt will be back soon. Durham Smythe will be back soon. Now, if those guys went down for the year, then you'd have to really take a step back and say, look, conceptually, like we might have to water this down a little bit and try to be something that we didn't tailor ourselves to be this season because we don't have the horses to do what we want to do. But for the time being, I think you're fine. And I think you, you can rebound from this. And we say all this to also say the Dolphins had 422 yards of offense. And they missed a field goal. They turned the ball over on downs in scoring territory. So Raiders fans in YouTube comments who are chirping back after I chirped at you because you chirped at me first and were rude about it last week, that the Raiders were going to win the football game, and they didn't. So I said something, and I said, oh, you only scored 20 points. Well, here, there, and everywhere, I think it was, it'd be very easy to find 30 for the Dolphins in this game. And because of that, and the Raiders are playing some inspired football defensively these days. Like I said, I, I respect the effort that they put forward. They gave up 365 to the Jets, which is not great. You have 277 to the Giants. They came into the game with seven turnovers in the last three games. Oh, they're playing okay football. They're a blue-collar bunch. They are physical. They are nasty. I thought Adam Butler played a really good game for them. That's a former Dolphin. Obviously, Max Crosby's presence was huge. I think Trayvon Morig tackled really well in instances. Uh, Nate Hobbs made a couple of really effective plays, but I didn't think it was particularly good in coverage. I didn't think he had a good feel for where the Dolphins' receivers were when he, they were in zone coverage. Miami's okay. Now, you want to be better, and you can't have the fumbles. You can't, from an execution standpoint, you can't have the fumbles, and you can't have the miscommunication on a sight adjust on a shot play against the Jets. You can't do it. Who, by the way, are starting Tim Boyle on Friday. That news came out this morning. So uh, we'll react to that a little bit uh, after we do the defensive version of this show, which will be coming up next uh, a little later tonight or tomorrow here on Locked on Dolphins. So keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. I'm Kyle Krabs. I appreciate you guys checking out the show. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. But that's going to do it for me here and now. Fins up. Peace.